Welcome to Credits Due, a podcast where we break down an actor's filmography one movie at a time. I'm Ben Cron. And I'm Tyler Owen. Uh, if this is your first time joining us, we're on part four of our series on Keanu Reeves, where each episode we will discuss a select work from his filmography. We'll start off by catching up on some notable things that he did between movies we've discussed. Then we will dive in uh, to a spoiler-filled discussion of the movie of the episode. This, uh, this time we are discussing, discussing Johnny Mnemonic. Um, for this time, uh, uh, this time, uh, Johnny Mnemonic is, uh, it was released in 1995, uh, one year after, um, our previous episode, episodes movie Speed, so we actually won't have, uh, any movies to discuss, um, in our catching up segment, so we'll skip right on to our main discussion, of Johnny Mnemonic, uh, directed by Robert Longo. It stars Keanu Reeves, uh, Dolph Lundgren, and the amazing Ice-T. Tyler, do you have um, some trivia to start us off with? I do indeed. Awesome. So we'll start off, I I forgot to do this in the last couple episodes, but I'm going to quiz you on the budget and box office in case you haven't, if you didn't see it. So uh, what what is your uh, estimate of the budget of Johnny Mnemonic? Okay. Um, I, I like this. I, I'm, I'm all for quizzing me on it because I'm (laughs) terrible at these numbers. Um, I will divulge that I did see the numbers when I was researching this movie. Okay. And I want to say, now of course, I've, I've forgotten the numbers because, <laughs> as I mentioned, I'm terrible at numbers. Uh, I want to say it was like $26 million, the budget? That is correct. Yeah, that was the budget for Johnny Mnemonic, and, which is like a billion dollars in 1995 <laughs> money. True. <laughs> um, and... The box office budget, did you happen to see that? Or the yes. box office uh, return? And this is for domestic, so only in America. It was like $19 million, right? Yeah, and then the worldwide uh, draw was $52 million. So they actually made their money back and then some. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, a relative success, I guess, if you're going for a big budget action movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially an R-rated action movie, you know, it's. I think those didn't pull as much, uh, and they still don't really. But uh, unless you're a Deadpool, but um, yeah, that that actually surprised me considering how big of a critical flop this movie was, at, even at the time. Seems like it did okay at the box office. Um, mm-hmm. I, I seem to remember it being a bigger flop than that. But uh, but yeah, the the film is based on a short story of the same name by the author William Gibson. Does that name ring a bell at all no uh he did okay write, so he he did write the movie as well he did yes he has the sole writing credit for the screenplay um but you may have heard of his other uh really renowned book the uh neuromancer oh yes so i that's actually currently on my reading list i've just uh checked it out from my local library's uh audiobook digital uh checkout so i'm interested to read that and i did not know that at the time when i when we were watching this film so i learned that after the fact uh but yeah william gibson was the sole writing credit for the screenplay but uh in interviews afterwards he has insisted that the final film is not the screenplay that he wrote (laughs) (laughs) and that is kind of interesting when you also learn that the director robert lango has not made another film since johnny mnemonic Mm mm-hmm now, when it comes down to the uh, characters in the film, um, Johnny, the titular character, was going to be played by Val Kilmer, of all people, uh, but he actually left when he got the role for Batman and Batman Forever. And good choice. Then this, yeah, that probably was a good choice. Uh, but this I found to be the most absurd part of Keanu's involvement in the film. There has been a rumor uh, that has gone around that says that the way that Keanu decided to take this role (laughs) is after he found the script dumped on his doorstep. (laughs) So I don't know... 
I, that gives me a little bit more insight into Keanu Reeves as a person. If he had an like completely unsolicited script dropped on his doorstep mm-hmm. that was this movie, and he's like, "Yes, I need to be Johnny Mnemonic." <laughs> um, yeah, I am the only person that can bring Johnny Mnemonic to the screen. <laughs> yes. uh, I would not be surprised if that is if that's not true, because isn't that the like big myth of like you walk into a coffee shop and see you know Keanu Reeves sitting at you know the counter drinking coffee right and you just hand him your script that you've been working on your whole life and he just decides to make it into a movie yeah I I mean I wouldn't put it past him the guy's kind of eclectic as we've seen in his movies so far that we've watched and what we've know about him from his modern films too. Mm-hmm. So kind of a, kind of a strange fellow, but yeah, that's uh that was all the best uh, trivia I was able to find. The rest of it's a lot of just boring uh, <laughs> stuff that we'll, we'll get to as we discuss the, the plot of the film. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, let's dive in. Um, uh, so yeah. Um, uh, before we recorded, I, I told you this that um, I might need some help uh, recapping this plot because <laughs> even though I watched it this morning, like no more than three hours ago, this movie has like exercised itself out of my mind. Oh yeah, and uh, so like so uh, let's just dive in. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I watched it last night and. Uh, I, I literally had to go over it uh, with my wife, Frances, before we went to bed because I was worried that I would completely forget everything that happened by the time I woke up. Um, yeah, that's usually a good sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the film starts off with um, a setup of text, just like a paragraph of text, like most futuristic you know, sci-fi movies do. Um, I actually don't have... The actual text. Um, yeah, I guess I didn't it. look it up either. But okay. uh, it, now, am I wrong in thinking that this is uh, this was a period in time where uh, a lot of sci-fi films were doing this? Like, it seems like a very sci-fi trope where the writer or director or, or production company or whatever feels like the audience is going to be too confused by this crazy sci-fi world so they have to inundate us with all this exposition before we even get to the first frame of the movie yeah um yeah it is a very it's a very sci-fi trope and i wonder i wonder what started it i'm sure star wars like made it popular I'm sure that yeah, this but I is, don't even think they were the first yeah. to do that. Like, am I wrong thinking that Flash Gordon may have introduced oh. that because that was a huge influence for Star Wars? I know, but yeah, uh, right. I, I guess I'm I, I don't know enough to say for sure where it comes from originally. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's definitely this. This feels like the end of that period, though, where because only four years later he makes The Matrix, and that is a great example of a sci-fi movie throwing you straight into the deep end. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so this movie came out in 1995, and um, I feel like it's a movie that should have came out 10 years prior because oh, it feels God, totally yeah, it feels very 80s, and I think that text is a very 80s kind of thing. Yeah, um, but uh, it kind of sets up the um, this whole text. It sets up uh, the year that we're in which they say, I believe it says the second decade of the 21st century. Is that right? Yeah. I believe the specific year was 2026. Uh, 2021. 21. Okay. 2021. Yeah. 2021. Yeah, yeah. It's coming up close. Yeah. Um, but isn't that <laughs> 2021, isn't that the third decade of the 21st century? Isn't third 2000... Decade to 2009 the first and then 10 to 20 is the second right yeah yeah i think you're right so <laughs> maybe uh well, off to a great start for uh stickler for accuracy here yeah. in this film <laughs> yeah i'm taking this movie to the coals uh 
Um, okay, so it kind of sets up. It just kind of sets up the world. It sets up that there's these, um, basically, these data runners that Keanu Reeves plays, and they download data into their brain, into like a neural implant in their brain. Um, Literally, something that we learn in the first three minutes of the film if yeah. we didn't have to sit through this dumb exposition text. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Keanu Reeves plays the titular character Johnny um, and he it starts in Beijing he goes to a hotel um, to take to get this data from just people They um, you later learn that they're scientists but you don't really know what their deal is really until like the end of the movie um Uh, he uh, he's in Beijing, uh, as I said. He's and he he goes up and he shows. Um, I don't exactly know what happens. He like checks the data of his or the uh, data capacity of his brain. He actually expands it. So expands he starts it, yeah. out with only a hundred and or he starts out with a data capacity of eighty gigs, mm-hmm. and he expands it to one hundred and sixty, I believe. Yes. While he's in the elevator up to the meeting. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, and then you find out that the data they want to give him is three hundred, right? Three hundred gigs. Yeah. Yeah. And not only is that dangerous for Johnny, it could potentially kill him. Because, mm-hmm. uh, as we all know, with hard drives, if you put too much data in there, <laughs> um, their just memory just completely destroys itself, and it makes it possibly near impossible to uh, to extract the data after the hard drive is gone. So this this points to one of the like repeated failures in this movie throughout, where they just do a really shitty job of explaining what is actually going on. They kind of tell you the consequences of what's happening without explaining like what, what causes that, those things to happen. So what I understand is that when you take on a data storage for your brain implant, that's more than what your storage capacity is. Mm-hmm. It actually starts to, uh, write that data directly into your synapses of your brain. So uh, the reason why it's dangerous to him is because it's seeping into his own brain rather than being contained entirely inside the data storage. Gotcha. And that's why later in the movie they talk about how he had to erase memories, right? Right, he, yeah. To make room for for the yeah, data for, he just got? Well, for even he had to do that even for the implant that he got that allowed him to store, you know, um, rewritable data. Mm-hmm. So I think both cases are true where he had to take out a chunk of his brain to put the implant in, and it's causing like mess ups with his other memory by putting too much in that storage. Mm. Mm. <laughs> a detail that is utterly boring. <laughs> yeah, and never, yeah. And it kind of comes back every now and again but um there's this kind of big it's supposed to be an emotional moment where you learn that he erased memories of his family Mm -hmm. or or his child his childhood yeah like he he says early on that he can't even remember where he's from you uh, know (laughs) (laughs) yeah um yeah it's great so uh, they, so he goes meets with um, the people that have hired him, and they're a group of scientists, and they have a data package that they they need him to take to Newark, um, and just give to someone. I don't, I never quite caught of where he was, who he was supposed to give it to, or where. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's a really good question. I, I don't know the answer. Honestly, to. I don't think it matters. I, what, well, so who, what are the options? So he could have been. My impression is that they, the scientists, wanted to keep it out of the hands of the pharmaceutical company Pharmacom, mm-hmm. so that well, it could no, be distributed. Right. Uh, yeah. So, well, 
um, let's just spell it out what it actually is. It's it's research, isn't it research from Pharmacon that right. is a cure for NAS, which is... The a, disease that doesn't present itself in the plot until about yeah. halfway through the movie. Yeah. Um, I think they actually might explain what NAS is on uh, in that um, exposition text. Oh, they the do, beginning. yeah. But it has no relevance to anyone yeah. or anything in the movie until yeah. you reveal the, the one woman about halfway through. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's a cure for this disease, and I thought that they wanted to... I thought Pharmacon wanted wanted that research back because they don't want it released. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then the these big, scientists big yeah. have kind of gone rogue and they're trying to release it. Right. Yeah, then, that was my impression as well. Yeah, and then the Yakuza is like, um, they're trying to get it back for Pharmacon. That's yeah. I I got the sense that Farmcom was basically entangled with the Yakuza because it's a Japanese based company, and that they kind of use them as their uh, almost military arm. And because I mean, it's a huge dystopia in future, right? Like mm-hmm. shit's messed up everywhere, and so they use the Yakuza as kind of their their arm, their heavy uh, enforcement. Yeah. Um. And, uh, all right, let's just say it. It's 2021. That's one year after the first term of the Trump administration. Okay. <laughs> let's say it. Let's move on. All right. All right. Yep. So the, the, okay. Um, it's pronounced Yakuza, right? But, uh, I'm pretty sure y- they say well, Yakuza in the movie. I, you know, I want to say that. The Yakuza is the Americanization of oh, how okay. it's actually pronounced, and it is actually Yakuza. Okay, but I could be totally off base there too. I, I want to say they called it uh, Yakuza in the movie. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I maybe I that's one thing they got Yakuza. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Who knows? Maybe we shouldn't trust this movie, but. Um, Okay, so the the Yakuza have come to the hotel, and they're going up to the hotel room, fully armed with this crazy futuristic guns, um, to take the data before um, it is implanted in Johnny's head. And there is um, the scene where you're you're seeing the Yakuza coming up to the hotel, and they're the scientists are trying to quickly put this data in Johnny's head. Mm-hmm. And that's where um, they they write the data that's on this, like, tiny disc and mm-hmm. to his head. And he, like, puts on VR goggles to, like... Yeah, so I... This is so strange, but this is their our first introduction to the, uh, like cyber world that this movie wants to present to us uh and so he's got oddly enough a plug that jacks into the back of his head very uh you know reminiscent or i guess reverse reminiscent of uh the matrix something that they use heavily in the matrix series uh later on but he has a jack that plugs in uh, um less hardcore than the matrix because it almost looks like in Johnny mnemonic it almost looks like just a headphone jack yeah yeah which is why I'm confused as to what the point of it is in conjunction with the VR goggles because it almost seemed like the VR goggles were the transfer method like it was writing the data through his vision Mm -hmm. to his brain but then I don't know what the plug is for so maybe the I don't know I guess the the VR goggles is some way for his brain to like handle the data without going insane or something because it's a very traumatic experience for him he has to put in a freaking mouth guard (laughs) and he starts (laughs) like moaning and groaning very oddly um yeah I uh later you see him jump onto the internet Oh my and god, like I can't wait. Navigate <laughs> around this VR stuff. So I wonder if that's just the internet. Yeah, that, I guess. Yeah, I God, I don't know. 
don't know um, either. So he goes uh, after the data is uploaded. Um, the data is uploaded perfectly fine, and he and a three uh, a three part code is created while mm-hmm. the data is being uploaded. And my understanding is that the code is three images based on what was on the television at the time. Right. Is that so, correct? So, yeah, that's why I was thinking that the the visual aspect of the data upload, I guess, is the encryption. And so those three specific images are the key to the encryption code, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, I... Yeah, I think I think that's right, because there's, um, the first one is like a, uh, it almost looks like Dragon Ball Z, like that kind mm-hmm. of anime, TV show which they were watching, when Johnny walks into the hotel. And um, I mean, a, a huge part of this entire movie is obviously inspired by anime and manga like it's it's heavily influenced by the cyberpunk stuff that was started in Japanese anime mm. uh, so this um, this three image uh, code is printed out and they're going to fax it to their contact in Newark who I believe that's who Johnny is supposed to be traveling to mm-hmm. um, but Right as they're faxing, the image is over. The Yakuza break in to the hotel and kill everyone mm-hmm. uh, in a huge gunfight. And also the kind of kind of main villain of the movie is introduced where this guy who has this like electric wire thing. Laser he, thumb? Huh? <laughs> That's what I'm just going to call him now, laser thumb. Oh, was, it came out of his thumb? He had that Yeah, that yeah his thing little his metal thumb. thumb, he pulls it <laughs> off with the other hand, and it becomes a laser between his thumb stump and his other hand. Nice. It's so funny, because it looks like if you ever see people pull out wire and tighten it, and then... Um, like choke someone with it. Yeah, it's, looks it's like, like the cyberpunk version of piano wire assassin yeah. dude. But he also like whips it. He uses it as a whip. He like yeah, slashes which makes people zero with sense. It. It's, yeah, it's crazy, <laughs> but it's kind of awesome. Like yeah. one of the one of the cool cyberpunk things that happen in this world. Uh, there's very right. f- few of them. I can't really think of it, but that wire thing is like. It's so cool and yeah, uh, iconic cyberpunk moments. Having a dude with an, a <laughs> retractable laser thumb is pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, so uh, everyone in the hotel dies. Uh, Johnny escapes. Um, uh, and then what? Then he just runs off to Newark, right? Yeah, so he's he makes a call back to Ralphie, his handler, who got him this gig, and there uh, he just des- decides to meet him at a bar to figure out what's going on, right? So, but mm-hmm. actually, I think before this, even we had a weird cutaway scene where we see Ralphie at the bar, and we're introduced to another character named Jane, right? Mm-hmm. And Jane is. It sounds like she wants. She approaches Ralphie because she wants to be a bodyguard. Like maybe mm-hmm. he's uh, hiring uh, bodyguards and and s- stuff around this club. And you're introduced that she has all these like augments, these like implants, uh, like all over her body to mm-hmm. like buff her up or make her whatever but it's almost to the point that it's like killing her maybe or yeah yeah because she does that weird thing where ralphie makes her hold her hand steady Mm -hmm. and she can't do it so the implication being that you know whatever she's done to herself is you know uh lowering her ability to to do her body guarding jobbing Mm -hmm. stuff yeah and uh um yeah, so she 
so she hangs out at the club and she sees um, she sees Johnny show up. Uh, Johnny confronts Ralphie and he gets knocked out because mm-hmm. Ralphie is working with the Yakuza and they kind of drag him in the back and they're going to because they can't they can't extract the data because they don't have the code. They're just going right. to cut off his head. Correct? Yeah, because the the way that it was encrypted with three images, I think uh, we forgot to mention that the, the three images that were printed off got cut in half. Mm-hmm. Yes. And one of the three images got burned up. So there are only two of the three images left, and one of which is uh, cut in half, and Johnny doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. So they're working with limited encryption key, and they're trying to get this information extracted from him. And it sounds like without the encryption key, the only way to do that is to just kill him. Yes. Um, and right when they're going to cut off Johnny's head, uh, Jane comes in. Uh, beats everyone up and her and Johnny escape. And this is when the the wire dude uh, is there uh, with um, Ralphie. Mm-hmm. And this is when uh, the wire dude like slices like Ralphie in half with the wire. (laughs) Like they show him just kind of slice his arm off. Right. And it's, and you can like see the like insides of his body. So I will admit that both me and Francis were looking away from the screen when this happened. (laughs) I was like writing in my notebook and all I heard was the sound effect. And we both Mm. looked at each other like, did he just cut Ralphie in half? And we were were like, do we want to rewind it so we can see that? And both of us were just like, nah, it's not even worth it. It's very quick. It, it goes by very fast. And you almost, they just show you enough so you know what happens. But mm-hmm. the moment is like completely over before like it gets truly like, like gross. Yeah. Um, but so, uh, so they, they escape and they run off. And um, I, oh, this is when we are introduced to the low techs. Led by mm-hmm. J Bone, who is um, Ice T, um, who I think between I think Ice T and Dolph Lundgren, who we haven't met Dolph Lundgren yet, but I think Ice T and Dolph Lundgren are the ones who are really putting in the solid performance in this yeah. movie. Their um, their writing leaves a lot to be desired, but yes, they they seem like they're in it. Yeah, uh, which I think when when a movie has Ice T, uh, especially back in the '90s, when I think mm-hmm. Ice T is a much better actor now. Mm-hmm. But I mean, back in the '90s, to say Ice T is like like when he showed up, I like. Uh, the movie like livened up for me and that's saying a lot when he showed up that was the moment that I thought to myself I'm really glad that I convinced Ben to let us include this movie in our Keanu Reeves series Uh, but um, uh, Ice-T saves I'm not actually sure I kind of got lost in this part of the movie because um they end up finding Spider, mm-hmm. but it, did something happen in between that? In between this? Yeah, they. Uh, so the Pharmacom company was basically trying to uh, pose as the buyer, I think, for the data. Ah. Um, who was gonna? Who was supposed to be the person who was supposed to get it? I think mm-hmm. originally. And then it turned out to be that the Yakuza were tricking him again, and then the lo- that's when the Lotex first helped him and saved him. Um, and that was the part where they were like, uh, Ice-T and the one other guy were up in a window watching them, and the one guy got shot and fell out the window randomly, and Ice-T was just like, ah, oops. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so they he saved them there, and then then they kind of just go their separate ways again for a while, right? Because that's yeah. when um, that's when he ends up. Uh, Jane, was it Jane that was like, "Oh, we need to take you to Spider," right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then she kind of Jane kind of faints or like has a seizure almost. Yeah. Before they get to Spider, and that's when you realize that she has been she, she has NAS. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Spider, they they go to Spider. Um, cause he's like some like doctor or something. Cause he like, br- like brings her back from being unconscious or something. Right. Yeah. He, he's kind of like a all Jack of all trades kind of doctor slash tech guy. He, mm. He's the one who's done all of her implants, I guess, but mm. he also treats her NAS or NAS or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, they go see him and, uh, and forgive me, I forget this uh, actor's name. Um, uh, it's Henry Rollins. Yes, okay. Who is, who is best known for being a punk rock musician. And yes, he's best kind known of... in our household as being the voice of one of the villains in Legend of Korra. <laughs> <laughs> nice. He's kind of become an actor uh, probably around this time. I don't know what mm-hmm. his first role is, but this is probably early... Actor yeah, work for be, Henry Rollins. Yeah, early on in that part of his career. Yeah, um, I, I almost didn't recognize him. He he looks a little different, but oh, really? Are you sure? He, I because, thought so. Um, Henry Rollins is. I honestly thought he. They cast him for this role because he just showed up on set one day and he was like, <laughs> "Can I hang out?" And they're like, "Why don't you play this part?" <laughs> because yeah. he has, he. Uh, he's bald. I don't think he had facial hair, but he just was kind of this wearing this plain black T-shirt, mm-hmm. um, and that's like what he's known. For. That's like the what only he usually wears clothes yeah. he wears. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, when I saw him, like he did not look. You know, he had uh, tattoos, his normal mm-hmm. tattoos on his arms, but I was like, I was like, yeah, that's. Henry Rollins, he, in 1995 or 2021, he looks exactly the same. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, he, he was all right, though. His character was interesting. It was fun to see that side of this universe a little bit, like somebody who actually knows their way around technology. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of, uh, that's kind of, in a lot of these cyberpunk stories, that's where you really start to get to the meat of, um, like what what are the rules of the universe you know what but what that's what i was expecting when we got to this point in the story but it turns out that he's basically just a like i don't know he he kind of just rescues jane and then gives them the next piece of information they need to go off somewhere else mm-hmm. um yes and also so um I believe this at this point um oh maybe I skipped it. At this point we've we've been introduced to Dolph Lundgren who is the street preacher. Yes. And <laughs> Cyber Jesus. Cyber Jesus, yeah. Who his <laughs> weapon of choice is a cross uh with a dagger at the end of it. Yes, like, a bladed crucifix. Yes. Um, who I think this is like inspired casting because he he kind of has a beard and like long frazzled hair. He kind of looks like, um, you know, the standard picture of Jesus. He says a lot of all this like uh, r- like religious talk, but also he kind of has this badass edge to him, too. Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> You don't agree? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess so. If this were like a different movie, maybe this would work. But maybe, God, yeah. it is so laughably bad. I, I could not. I just could not stop staring at this character and wondering how the hell, like, this has anything to do with anything. Because oh, I mean, the whole at all. The whole thing is just. This is where we got to the point in the film where 
my wife and I were like, there is way too much going on here. Oh yeah. Like you could list, you could spend 15 minutes like listing off components of this film, like things that are in it without ever touching on (laughs) what those things are doing and like who's trying to get where oh yeah. like we have we have the yakuza in this f- film we have a big pharma corporation in this film we have vr data uploading in this film we have crazy assassins that are posing as priests we have like <laughs> it's just we have ice tea leading a underground like illegal uh, tech group that's <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? I, I honestly, I don't see the problem. I don't see any problems. <laughs> it's just like, it's like whoever uh, translated this short film or the short story or screenplay into this actual filmed feature just took every little bit of like crazy anime inspired nonsense and tried to throw it all into one movie oh like, yeah this felt like a trilogy's worth of crazy <laughs> characters and shit going on and i i couldn't keep any of it straight until i literally had to read the wiki article to create the summary for this podcast <laughs> uh yeah it's nonsense uh, it's yeah it's truly nonsense and yeah this street street preacher is I mean it, it almost seems like they needed just like a muscle introduced uh, into the film just to fight uh, uh, Johnny yeah um, I guess I just don't understand why laser thumb couldn't have been that character yeah yeah you know like why couldn't he have been a little stronger and have that crazy cool cyberpunk weapon you know like why do we need two crazy assassins with weird weapons and weird personalities it, it just he wasn't connected to anything either he was just like a freelance assassin too so he had no stake in the game other than money yeah um yeah so um spider tells them to go they need to go find Jones, this character Jones, and Jones is in the uh, hideout of the Lotex called Haven. So, um, right before they go on there, they go to Haven. Um, Street Preacher breaks in uh, to their to Spider's shop, fights them, and kills Spider. D- does it show that? Um, he's yeah. killed or um, but the big thing that is revealed in that whole sequence is that Johnny has the cure to oh, NAS yeah. in his that's what he's carrying in his data mm-hmm. uh, and so Spider was basically trying to convince Johnny to he had like two options he could either uh, sacrifice himself to get the data out so that he can spread the cure for NAS uh, over the broadcast and help everybody uh, because he was his argument was that Johnny was probably going to die anyways if he didn't get it taken out soon enough uh, or he could try to go see Jones who could get the data out for him mm-hmm. right and so yeah so he dies uh, when they're attacked by the street preacher but holds him off long enough for Jane and Johnny to escape Okay. Um, real quick on Spider, I think Spider has the my favorite two lines of the movie. Um, when when Johnny and Jane uh, walk up, first walk up to Spider's like uh, like house. Uh, his first line, Spider's first line of the movie is, "If you're not expected, then you're not invited." So fuck off. <laughs> and then actually his last line of the movie is um, Street Preacher asks him who Jones is. Yeah. Um, he says, who's Jones? And Spire says, who's Jones? The person who fucks your mother. <laughs> it's yep. such a, wow, what two like dumbass lines that are just they're full this whole movie is full of them like (laughs) things that the whoever was either the 
the author who wrote the screenplay or whoever was translating the screenplay into film, mm. somebody was creating what they thought were one-liners oh, yeah. that are just completely non sequiturs. <laughs> like, no connection to what's going on. It's like, ex- oh, except for the, the one early in the movie when Johnny is just getting the data and he's in the bathroom and they bust in on him and he, like, knocks the guy out. Oh, yeah. He, he's, he turns to leave the bathroom and he's like, don't you know you're supposed to knock first? <laughs> <laughs> that was the only one that had any connection or context to oh, yeah. the actual one-liner, but yeah. Um, oh, God. <laughs> um, all right, so they uh, they leave Spider's place, and they, they head over to Haven, um, and Jones uh, is revealed. Uh, do you want to explain who jones is oh yes please uh i don't think i could handle (laughs) explaining jones jones uh well so when when johnny asks jane who jones is earlier uh just before they get to haven she's like um well uh i mean i think he's a navy guy uh i don't know if you caught that line um no i missed that but then when we uh when we are introduced to jones uh ice tea brings us into this giant room full of television monitors and a big aquarium with green glowing light holding a dolphin. (laughs) A dolphin who has cybernetic implants and apparently is like somehow telepathically intelligent and can focus brainwaves to communicate or do something. I don't know. Yeah, Jones it's is a telepathic because, cybernetic uh, dolphin. When they walk up to him, Jones almost like tries to kill Johnny, right? Yeah. Um, and I don't know if, if it's if it's tele like telepathic or they're Jones is just affecting Johnny's um, like implant, like brain implant or something. Yeah, so I think, I mean, I said telepath, but I think technically what they were going for is that he is connected to the net, Mm. and he can communicate with other devices through that weird little radar dish above his tank, and so that's what he was doing with Johnny when he comes in. And the dolphin is, the dolphin, even though it's super dumb, it it kind of looked cool, because it's a very, like, Frankenstein monster. Kind of yeah, thing. yeah. It just was so out of nowhere. Like, yeah. it, it, you're just like, okay, why, why are we here with this? Like, <laughs> there is no reason for this character to exist. I mean, and I'm carry, saying character very forgivingly. It, it's basically a, just a Deus Ex moment, you know? Like, yeah. There's, there's no. It's just a magical cyber thing that helps him solve his problem, you know. Mm. It honestly reminded me of the South Park episode when they go to the, um, they go to Hollywood and find the writer's room of, uh, Family Guy. Yes. And it's two manatees, uh, uh-huh. moving words back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, uh, Haven gets attacked by Pharmacon forces, uh, and, and everyone, the Yakuza is there, Street Preacher shows up, and there's just a big shootout. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to they're trying to get the data one last time from Johnny. Um, and let's just say, probably some of the most boring action sequences the, in this, the, the whole movie is full of just completely mundane like random groups of people firing at each other. And that's basically it. You know, there's mm-hmm. no, there's no real like staging to any of the action sequences or anything like it, it really kind of sucks because that was the one thing I was hoping would be really cool about this movie. And it just, it, there is nothing redeeming about anything about it. Yeah. It's really just a long, just drawn out action scene, very boring and nothing really memorable. Yeah. Uh, until Jane grabs a satellite or some or a the some radar sort of, dish above the above radar the dish. Jones's yeah. aquarium. Yeah. So that's what he he uses his like cyber mind waves. 
to like melt street preacher's body like yeah and it's not like his body is his skin is like completely melted off Mm -hmm. and it's kind of gruesome but you don't it's not a gruesome like sequence of this like brain waves or whatever like killing him you know Mm -hmm. Uh, you don't really like see the full extent until like after the battle is over Um, but so everyone's taken care of Uh, they finally figure out that Johnny needs to hack his own brain and (laughs) get uh Get the information out himself, which because they're missing that third picture, right? Mm-hmm. So in order to un- decrypt the data and get it out, he has to hack his own brain. Yeah, which leads to back into the like virtual reality thing that they've shown before, and like Johnny like jumps in. There's this weird like three D model of Johnny like yes. jumping into his brain. So, it's, do you remember the children's television show Reboot? Yes. Were you a fan it of that? Because I, I loved that show as a kid. Oh, God. And, and guess when that show came out? Oh, no. 1996. 1994. Oh, shit. Surely it has to be a coincidence, right? Well, yes, but my point being... Most of the 3D animation in that children's television show oh, was better yeah. than the shit in this movie. Oh, okay. I, I got gotcha. you. was like, this felt like if someone taught a GeoCities webpage <laughs> master how to use 3D animation, mm-hmm. it just, it was so insane. And like you, we kind of touched barely on that little sequence where he was using VR in the middle of the movie to navigate the internet and get mm-hmm. some information. But and and some of the interaction he does in that sequence is kind of interesting. Like uh, we're seeing, you know, one to one uh, hand manipulation in 3D devices like the Vive and the Oculus Rift and stuff. Like at least that is somewhat based in we might someday have this technology, even even if it doesn't look quite like this. But this Mm -hmm. weird like vomit it covered (laughs) version of second life was so jarring and disturbing i i i have no idea what it was there for other than to try and impress audiences of 1985 with like crazy whoa this is the future like crazy 3d internet you know we're gonna be Mm. inside our computers yeah um i honestly didn't mind the uh any of the VR stuff earlier in the movie, but mm-hmm. this section was, it was just bad. Like all the animation was really terrible and it was kind of just dumb of him like navigating through his like virtual brain to like literally like pull out the final code. Like he, like the virtual dude literally just like peels off a sticker almost Mm -hmm. that's on his brain and that's the like final image of the code Mm -hmm. yeah and he has he actually has to go through some like dumb trials to get there like there's a virus that they're trying to upload to prevent him from getting the data Mm -hmm. and he has to avoid the virus by he duplicates himself and oh, yeah. only one of his duplicates gets destroyed by the virus and the other one slips by and it's just like th- this is where and then so the, many tech the, movies fall flat because they don't actually understand technology and they just make shit up you know yeah also the dolphin jumps in at one oh, point yeah. correct cyber yeah. dolphin is flying around <laughs> and helping him on his journey <sighs> <laughs> Uh, so um, they get the data out and then they start to broadcast the data to the entire world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and don't forget to turn on your VCRs, people, because you're going to want to record this data. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. In 2021, where everyone's still using their VCRs. <laughs> uh, so then um, they uh, the data is out in the world. They save the day blah 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 um the you see the pharmacom building light on fire yeah for some reason okay um and then in i think 
the best moment of the entire movie. They're watching <laughs> this building catch on fire. And this is like a moment out of a, a parody movie. Like if there's a movie. I said that to Francis okay. too, yeah. You see the charred corpse of Street Preacher, his fingers start to move, and then his body starts to lift up <laughs> in a very like Terminator style, <laughs> yeah. like he is back. And then Ice T turns around and he's like, that's just a bunch of garbage. And Get that out of here. <laughs> it pulls up and they're just picking up his body. Yeah, like, with like a crane. And I think they throw it out of the building just like into the like ocean or whatever. Yep. Uh, God, it was I generally laughed so hard because I thought that yeah. was so it was so funny and it was so well done. But yeah. it was like wrong movie. Like totally exactly. Wrong yeah, movie. it felt like the if the rest of the movie had that tone, it would have actually been great. You know, I would yeah. have been laughing through this whole thing. It would have been hilarious. But yeah, yeah that it felt very out of place. But it, it was a great uh, commentary on uh, the final sequence is in a lot of action films. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very funny. Um, all right. Is there anything to say? I, I say we close this book. Yes, please. OK. Um, all right. So for every movie, um, we are going to. Uh, give give it a rating, and um, uh, I think I think it's kind of been vague on how we do it, but I would like to say that we're going to rate Keanu, um, Keanu's performance, and just kind of general, just only Keanu. And then if you have some stuff to say, we kind of didn't really touch on Keanu's performance. So if you have some last thoughts on Keanu, um, sure. I say this will where we'll get it out um i will start off i'm gonna give this a solid one keanu um one uh we should say this is uh a rating of one out of five uh or out of five keanu so i'm gonna give this one keanu um i thought i think this is the proof that just keanu is just a bad actor (laughs) like he has you know this part is pretty terrible and this movie is terrible and but um and i don't know if a better actor could have turned at least that part around but keanu does he does nothing with this part and there's even a few lines that could be pretty funny or could be pretty great in a better actor's hands and he just flubs this so hard um so yeah uh, one Keanu, I'm gonna give it. Yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be really harsh here and have to give it a zero out of five. Um, Damn. To me, a zero out of five rating for Keanu's performance just means that even if you are a Keanu Reeves fan, this film isn't worth worth watching. Mm-hmm. Like, it, there's nothing about this movie that helps inform or like uh, provide interesting history to the cyberpunk uh you know type of film there's nothing in this movie that's really uniquely cyberpunk most of the concepts that are in it are used in other films later that are done much better keanu specifically it like you said it i really went into this whole podcast going looking at keanu reeves movies and hoping to see like some uh, some reason why he became popular and I, I still think that we have some great movies of his that are yet to come in, in our series but I, after watching this movie I don't know how his career recovered I legitimately don't know how he went from this to four years later starring in The Matrix yeah uh, that's one thing um, that's one thing I tried to look up um I tried to look up that if this was a career killer, mm-hmm. because I think there's, um, uh, I think he could have gone down the path of, uh, of Cage. Uh, no, who's that actor? Um, uh, uh yeah, Ghost Rider. Um, uh, Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Uh, Sorry, sure. I wanted to say I was going through like five different 
dude names, and <laughs> yeah. Nicholas wasn't one of them. Nicholas Cage, like you can imagine Nicholas Cage being in this movie, right? Oh, totally. Yeah, there's it might a have been a better of, movie, <laughs> definitely, because <laughs> uh, there's a few lines that are like Cageisms. Uh, I just Keanu... want some room service. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> one of the one of the great lines too is. Um, uh, Jane says to Johnny, um, it's when you learn that Johnny has erased his childhood memories. Mm-hmm. And Jane says, um, uh, don't you, or she says something like, don't you have parents? And Johnny immediately replies to her, don't you have parents? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like one of the, it's just such a dumb line, but like, it's so you can totally written. see Nicolas Cage. Yeah, it's so poorly written, but he does nothing to elevate the yeah. material. I think, and honestly, the part that frustrated me the most about this movie is the fact that they shoehorn a, yet another love interest into it, where, like, I wasn't crazy about the, his relationship with Sandra Bullock and Speed, but at mm. least that was funny at times, you know, yeah. even if they didn't really have any romantic connection there or, you know, uh, it just, it has me dreading uh, watching The Lake House where it's <laughs> like just straight up a romantic film, you know, mm-hmm. like I cannot imagine him in any way being a convincing love interest to a woman in a movie. So that yeah. th- just, I just can't, I cannot rate this movie low enough. It's yeah. just it's so bad. But uh, back to the, uh, when you said that you were surprised this movie isn't a career killer. I wonder if, I wonder if, if he didn't have the matrix, um, maybe it would have been a career killer. Because I, I think guess, that yeah. just uh, um, just sometimes just getting one big movie, maybe he was still riding high on speed. Because uh, I mean, speed was just a year a year prior to this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe he was just riding high on some good movies, and then just the Matrix just set him straight down the star yeah. path. Yeah, it's possible. Um, uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's wrap that up. Uh, speaking of the Matrix, um, our next film for the next fest, uh, the next next episode will be the Matrix, uh, the main event. What everyone has been waiting for. <laughs> I am so excited to rewatch this movie, especially um, through the the lens of having viewed his previous films now too. Yes, yeah, definitely that because um, this is the movie. This is definitely the movie that I was introduced to Keanu Reeves. Yep, um, same here. And I'm sure the movie that a lot of people, especially a lot of people our age, were introduced to him. Um, I don't even remember the last time I watched The Matrix. It's been years. And yeah. I hear, I hear it doesn't hold up, but I have a feeling I, that... I watched it less than five years ago. We watched mm. the whole trilogy again. And I was actually pretty surprised at how great the first one was. So we'll oh, see yeah. if my opinion still holds now. Yeah, I am. I am very looking forward to it. Uh, it is. I mean, it's one of the and especially what going to watch it right after Johnny Mnemonic because it kind of mm-hmm. has the same cyberpunk uh, qualities to it. Yeah. That being said, we will be skipping several films that he does in between uh, in the intervening years. So uh, we'll try to watch at least one or two of those to to comment on those before we get into our discussion of the Matrix. So mm-hmm, definitely. Um, all right, and we'll end end this episode with um, a couple of recommendations. Um, I think I'll go first. Um, a couple nights ago, I watched. A movie that I've been looking forward to watch in a long time. It's called The Handmaiden. Uh, came out last year. It's from uh, Park Chen Wook, who um, I've only seen. The only movie I've seen him that he directed was Old Boy, which okay, I yeah. Wanna, yeah, I want to say that's the his most famous movie. Yeah, the only thing I've heard about this movie is the title and that it's good. So. <laughs> Uh, yes, it is. Um, it is very, it is very, very good. Cool. Um, 
the quick plot synopsis is uh, a young Japanese lady living on a secluded estate and a Korean woman who is hired to serve her as her new handmaiden, but is secretly plotting with a con man to defraud her of a large inheritance. Uh, so it's... Um, the movie is... It's very disturbing at some points. Uh, it gets very sexy, and it's very funny. Um, I'm, which surprised me on how, like, really disturbing it does get. But to not spoil anything, there is a turn, because uh, I mean it's a con man movie, so okay. there's a turn, uh, about halfway through that is just it caught me way off guard and um it almost like does fl- the rest of the movie kind of does flashbacks to kind of uh like fill in parts of the story that were skipped in the first half okay. and then it also like shows scenes that you've already seen but from a different perspective and it hmm. just kind of changes everything that you've been shown before um it's an incredible film. The two actresses are amazing. And it's definitely it's definitely what uh it's a movie that you you have to see. I think if you're unfamiliar with uh Park Chan-wook's other films, um I think it's fine to just jump in. Uh I've seen Old Boy, so yeah. Um it is cool. a Korean language movie. Um, so it's, it's actually, it's all in Korean, but so the main, the entire cast, I believe is all Korean actors, except the one main character who's Japanese, but it takes place in Japan. So Mm -hmm. most of the movie is in Korean, but then it's all, they'll also jump to Japanese as well, Hmm. um, which is like shown through the subtitles change when it's in Japanese. Um, it's very fascinating, but yeah, it's the twists and turns. Um, like I just absolutely loved them and maybe I just, I just didn't see it coming. So that is what caught me off guard, but sure. Uh, definitely amazing. Definitely something to watch out for. Um, I watched it on Amazon um, I rented it, but I believe if you have Amazon Prime, it's being added next month. Oh, cool. Um, at some point. So if you have Amazon Prime, uh, look for it so uh, you can watch it in that. But Awesome. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Uh, the Handmaiden. All right, cool. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, real quick first I want to say I, I want to reiterate your recommendation uh, from a previous episode of Get Out um, mm. I finally saw that it, it came to our theater we have a small theater so sometimes we get smaller films a little bit later um, but that that film was excellent I don't need to say anything else uh, just absolutely double your recommendation there uh, we both loved it and so yeah can't wait to watch it again honestly um, but yeah my my big recommendation I want to make this week is uh, The Hunt for the Wilder People um, this was a film that came out uh, last year and it this it was small enough that I don't think it was available really anywhere near us to see in theaters so we had to wait for it to come out on uh, uh, for rental and um, it's directed by Taika Watiti, I think is his name. Um, mm-hmm. And he is the director of the previous film, um, What We Do in the Shadows, the parody vampire film, which was hilarious. And he is now the director for the upcoming Thor film, um, which should be really fascinating. But uh, I, uh, having seen his other work, I think this is my favorite movie he's made. Um, have you seen it? No, I haven't. You haven't. Okay, so The Hunt for the Wilder People uh, stars Sam Neill, which is always a treat. Uh, And then there's a younger actor named Julian Dennison, who is just amazing. Uh, The basic premise is this uh, young kid is in the foster system, and he's a problem child. But it's kind of hilariously... 
uh, framed in a way where uh, the child services people make him sound like a really super bad kid, but in reality, <laughs> he just does things that any you know dumb teenage kid would do. Um, and so that's kind of half the joke. But he's just kind of he doesn't listen to people very well, and and so they set him up um, with a new foster mom and dad. And uh, Sam Neill plays the dad, and uh, I can't remember the actress who plays the mom, but uh, they they basically the mom sets him up, and it's really the heartwarming story of him being kind of. Uh, integrated into this family and really uh, caring about someone for the first time. And then he gets thrown into this big adventure with Sam Neill where essentially they get lost in the wilderness. And uh, Sam's character uh, actually does not really like this kid. And so they're kind of two opposing forces uh, trying to work together to to save themselves and and get out of the wilderness and it takes place in New Zealand and the actors are just hilarious like we were laughing so hard at this movie I and so many people I've talked to haven't even seen or heard of it so I really wanted to to get this one out there and hope people will give it a chance because it's uh, if anything it's just a, even more of a ringing endorsement for uh, the upcoming Thor film because uh, Taika Waititi is uh, He's doing some really cool stuff, so I'm I'm excited. Mm. Uh, where did you watch this? Um, I believe we just rented it on like a Xbox Video rental, but it should be okay. available pretty much anywhere. Um, it's funny because when I went to watch The Handmaiden, um, uh, I have Amazon Prime, and I I thought The Handmaiden was already on Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. and when I saw it wasn't. I noticed that Hunt for the Willer People uh, is on Amazon Prime. So mm-hmm. I almost watched that instead oh, nice. of him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've heard good things about it. Um, I What was his last film, The Vampire one? Yeah. Uh, uh, we, what We, do, what in we do in the Shadows. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that and I, I really loved that. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, um, I'm sure it's right up my alley. So yep. maybe I'll bump that to the top of my list and watch it soon. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because, uh, you know, obviously he uh, demonstrated his comedic chops in What We Do in the Shadows, but this is such mm-hmm. a different movie from that. It's the uh, the way the comedy is framed is, is just completely different, but it still works just as well. So it's it's pretty impressive. I'm, I'm a huge fan. I really want to see it again soon. So uh, Awesome. All right. So, uh, that's been credits due. I uh, hope you'll join us next time for when we discuss uh, The Matrix. Uh, for Tyler Owen, I am Ben Cron. Uh, until next time, always remember if you're not expected, then you're not invited. So fuck off. <laughs>